I'm really excited to continue our study on discipleship this evening. Uh, what we've talked about so far is, I, I hope, I hope in the two weeks that we talked about philosophy, uh, my goal was to make out, uh, to lay out a convincing case for you as to why we need discipleship in the local church, why we need to make disciples. Christ has commanded us to do it. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that, that should be the bottom line as to why we need to engage in disciple-making. But also, it's essential for the life and health of the church. It's the program that Jesus designed to grow his church. Right? So it's not by us having a bunch of flashy programs and methods. Jesus has designed disciple-making to be the process by which the local church is grown and developed. So I've tried to lay out, I've tried to lay out that case for you. Uh, we also talked about some common objections to disciple-making, and I think we overcame those from Scripture. Tonight, I want to transition out of, out of the philosophy piece of it, and I want to transition more into the practical side. So what is this actually going to look like? Right? So we talked about some theory. What is this actually going to look like put into practice at Arise Baptist Church? And my goal tonight is to lay some of that out for you and build a bridge for you from where we're at right now to where we're trying to go early next year. All right, so that's the goal. That's what we're going to try and tackle this evening. But before we do that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to help us as we dive into this tonight. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have uh, to study your word tonight, to look at it, to continue to talk about making disciples. This is what you have called us to do. And so tonight I pray that you would help me, uh, give me wisdom, uh, help me to be able to navigate this well as we talk about where we're at now and where we want to go, help me to, to build an effective bridge so that we can understand how we're going to uh, walk, walk through some of these changes and adaptations. And uh, I think we're doing this because we believe that this is what you have called us to do. We want to do it effectively for your honor and for your glory. So I pray that you would help us tonight, help us think, help me to communicate well. We'll give you the honor and glory for it because you're the one that deserves it. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So let me just start by telling you a little bit about where we want to go with making disciples. So in February of next year, okay, this is February 2023, in the time period that you come in and sit here tonight, this is going to look different. All right, so you guys are going to come in on a Sunday evening, and what we're going to have is we are going to have discipleship groups on Sunday night. So these are going to be groups of anywhere from four to six individuals. And we're going to help put those groups together. But what you're going to do is you're going to come in and you're going to sit with a group of four to six individuals. And then you can see here, right, the sample lesson page that I pulled out. All right, so take a look at that. What we're going to do the week beforehand, we are going to give you a lesson each week when you come in. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're actually going to take this lesson home and you're going to look at it throughout the course of the week. So the lesson here, you would go home this week and you would read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21, which is an awesome text. All right, my encouragement to you would be you're going to read that every day or at least once or twice throughout the course of the week. And then you're going to work through this study. So we're going to try to memorize a verse together. Right? So the older I get, the more challenging Bible memory is. Right? But we're going to work hard. Right? The Bible tells us Scripture memory is a good Christian discipline for us. We're going to try to work, to work hard to memorize Scripture together. We're going to talk about the accountability piece of this in a little bit. If you flip over that sheet, you can see this is the Bible study portion of it that we're going to ask you to work through throughout the course of the week. So you're going to do what's called the hearer journal, highlight, explanation, application, response. So as you're reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 21, you're going to answer a couple questions. 
The first question is, is as you're reading the text, what stood out to you as you read it? Sometimes as you're reading, a verse just jumps off the page that you're like, man, that's awesome. I, I want to highlight that. I think that that's really neat. But then the question isn't just what stood out to you. The question is, what does the text actually mean? Right? It's not just enough for something to pop off the page at us. We need to actually understand and be able to explain what does the text mean. Right? What did Peter mean when he wrote that verse to his original readers? And then it's not just enough for us to have information about what the text means. We need to go beyond that. We need to ask the question, how does this text actually apply to my life? So the question here is, what does the text require me to do? The book of James tells us, let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of it. Let's take the text of scripture and actually apply it to our own lives. And then once we figure out what is the text requiring me to do, the last question is your response. What am I actually going to do to put this into practice in my everyday life? This is the one that I find as I do this with our teenagers. This is the one that I find is the most challenging because we're good at, we're good at coming up with principles. What's challenging is how am I actually going to take this principle and implement it in my Monday to Friday, nine to five. Okay, so we're, we're going to work through, I'm going to ask you to work through this throughout the course of the week. And then you're going to come back. And so Sunday night, you're going to come and you're going to have your Bible study prepared. And then you're going to sit down with four to six other individuals, men with men and ladies with ladies. And then you are going to discuss together and talk about what you learned in your Bible study throughout the course of the week. And then we're going to work through some of the accountability questions that are on, that are on the front of that page. And then we're going to spend some time in prayer together. And then at the end of the nights, we're going to take about 50 minutes to work through this discipleship time together, this, these discipleship groups. And then in the last 10 minutes, either Pastor Will or myself or Brother Mark, we're going to give you a quick exposition of the text and say, hey, just so we're all on the same page, this is what these eight verses mean. And then we'll give you some practical applications, and then we'll close in prayer and be dismissed. So that's a little bit different than how it looks. Right now, I'm standing up and lecturing for an hour. Okay? So why are we making this change? Why are we moving to this? Why are we adjusting? Because if we're actually genuinely going to make disciples, we need to have more than just one, two, or three individuals who are capable and comfortable of handling the, handling the text of God's word and being able to explain it to others. So our job is to create individuals who can help shepherd other people and point them to Jesus Christ. This is the whole process of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. The things which thou hast heard of me commit to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So our goal in this process is to generate disciple-making multiplication. And the, the, the ability to handle the text shouldn't just rest with one or two or three people. This should be something that we are all able to open God's word, confidently and comfortably handle it, and be able to explain its truth to somebody else. Okay, so that, that's where we're trying to go. So we're going to roll this out in February. And you say, well, what's going to happen between now and February? You know, there's a couple things that are going to happen. Hey, well, we are, we are working right now to recruit some of our discipleship group leaders that are going to help facilitate those groups on Sunday night. Brother Mark and Anne-Marie Cobra are going to help us oversee those groups. They're going to do some training with those discipleship group facilitators between now and the end of the year because we want to make sure that the individuals who are helping to guide that discussion and the individuals who are helping to lead that, we're not just asking people and saying, hey, do this and then throw them in the deep end, right? Our, we have 2 Timothy 2-2 responsibility here as well. So we want to make sure that we are taking the time to adequately train 
our discipleship group facilitators to help them be prepared to lead these discussions and help point people to Jesus. Now, if you are interested in helping with that process, you say, well, I'm not ready to be a group leader. Well, we're trying to make sure that each leader has an assistant as well. Okay? So if you are interested in learning more about that or being part of that training, come and talk to me or come and talk to Brother Mark. We would love to have the opportunity to discuss with you what some of that is going to look like and how you can be involved and engaged in that process. So then on Sunday nights between now and the end of the year, what Pastor Will is going to do is he's actually going to work through some books of the Bible like this. So we're going to have some of these sheets for you. We're going to help work through and facilitate some of this. And then in here on Sunday nights, when we're done, just like we'll do tonight, we'll split up in groups at the end and we'll have some discussion time. And so that's going to help prepare us to make this adjustment in February. Okay, so that, that's where we're going. Yeah, that's what we're going to try to do. And that's how we're working to get there now. Let me tell you a little bit. So you say, well, what is this actually going to look like practically throughout the course of the evening? Well, I think that there's some essential elements of a good disciple-making session, and that's what I want to take the next few minutes to try to explain to you tonight. Okay, so take your half sheet, and that's what we're going to look at together for the next few minutes. What are the elements of a good quality disciple-making session? Okay. And I think that there are five good elements that we are going to try to incorporate through in these disciple-making groups that we're going to be doing on Sunday nights. The first element is fellowship. The first element is fellowship. And if you're looking on that, if you look on that big sheet, uh, the, the whole page, the lesson sheet, so you can see right at the beginning, we have a spot for connection. So when I do this with my teenagers, so I'll look at my guys and I'll say, hey guys, what have you got going on this week? They have basketball games. They have swim meets. They have tests. They have quizzes. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in their life. There's value in us sharing what's going on in our life and just trying to keep in touch and trying to make sure that, uh, that we're doing okay. Just learning about what's going on and helping to develop those relationships with the other individuals in our group. So we try to build that fellowship aspect in. So it's not just we're coming in and immediately diving in. Like We are trying to get to know each other and we are trying to spend some time intentionally building these relationships while we do this. Why? Because disciples of Christ need each other. Disciples of Christ need each other. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses uh, 24 and 25. It says, Consider one another to provoke one another to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Listen, we are not designed to be Lone Ranger Christians. We are designed to function together in community. We need one another. And so because of that, one of the essential elements of these disciple-making groups is intentional fellowship. Listen, I, I was looking around. You know, we had about 175 people here this morning, which is awesome. I was looking around the building this morning. I did not know everybody that was here. And the larger that our church, it used to be that I could talk to everybody and I knew everybody who was sitting in the chairs. It was really easy when Angela and I first started coming because 90% of it was covers. All right. And so now, right now, it gets a lot more complicated. It gets a lot more challenging. Okay? And so the reality is, is that I can't talk to, I can't catch everybody on a Sunday morning, and neither can you. But everybody in our church should have somebody that's watching out for them. So if somebody's missing from church on a Sunday, there should be somebody in our church that notices. And then somebody who's willing to take that step of reaching out to them, checking up on them, making sure that they're okay. Right? This is what we need. We need community. God has designed us in this way. Not only that, fellowship has roots in God's word. And fellowship operates in the local church. This is where believers live out their care. You can look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We won't take the time to read it tonight. 
But listen, fellowship is different than just hanging out. I can hang out with a lot of people, right? I enjoy, watch, I enjoy getting together and watching an Astros game. But that's not necessarily biblical fellowship. Why? Because biblical fellowship is rooted in and grounded in the Word of God. And so I can hang out with a lot of people, but true, genuine fellowship is going to be with brothers in Christ who are pulling in the same direction. And so we are trying to cultivate this in our Sunday night discipleship groups. Also, so I, I would argue that disciple-making is most effective when it's exercised within the confines of the local church. Okay, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1-10. through 10. Again, actually, go ahead, go ahead and take a look at this. I, I want to point out a couple things to you here. Because this is awesome. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is an awesome chapter. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I'm, I'm discipling a couple of guys on Friday mornings. I'm discipling them on Zoom. Um, they, they, asked for some, they asked for some help and for some teaching. And so I'm, I'm working with them on Friday mornings. But these guys don't, don't go to our church. So while I enjoy that, and while we have good study together, um, the fellowship is not the same as if I sit down with you in our own local church. Why? Because we are pulling together. We are striving together. We are doing the same things, and we are working for the same mission. Well, I can study with those guys on a Friday morning. They're in a completely different church. They're in a completely different body on Sundays, and that makes it, that makes it challenging. So while I can still disciple them and while I can still have a relationship with them, it's different. It's not as effective as when it's done within the confines of the local church. Because the local church is the vehicle which God has designed to fulfill his mission in the world today. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, um, Paul, Silvanus, Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice, right out the gate, Paul gives the framework for what happens in the rest of the chapter. What is the framework? The framework is the church. He says, under the church. He doesn't say, right, unto the, you know, whatever, but fill in the blank. He doesn't say to the civic club of the Thessalonians, right? He says, unto the church of the Thessalonians. The church is the framework for which everything in the chapter follows. Okay, and what kind of things follow? He says, look at verse, uh, verse 3. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope. Uh, look at verse 5. Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power. Look at verse 6. You became followers of us. That's disciple making. And of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. And then look at verse 7. So they became disciples, and then they were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So not only were they following Paul, but now they were going and were functioning as examples to the entire region around them. Yeah, this is the great commission in action. Look at verse 8. This is evangelism. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. Well, this is disciple-making in action, but notice that it happens within the framework in the context of the local church. Okay, so fellowship. We need it. We need it. God has designed us to function in fellowship. So that's one of the things that we're going to try to facilitate in our discipleship groups on Sunday evening. The second essential element of a good quality disciple-making session is accountability. Accountability. And I apologize. On this number one, I gave you the wrong reference. That's actually Proverbs 27 and verse 4, not Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 4. I'm not sure what I was thinking when I typed that out, but it's Proverbs 27 and verse 4. All right, so genuine relationship breeds stronger accountability. What's one reason that we're trying to generate 
and build stronger relationships in our local church because there is stronger accountability with stronger relationships. Listen, if I don't know you and I walk up to you and try to confront you on something, does that go over very well? No. You're going to look at me and go, who are you? And, and what do you, who do you think you are coming to talk to me in that way? Okay? But I work with Pastor Will in the office like five days a week. Right? We have a pretty strong relationship. We spend a lot of time together. If Pastor Will confronts me on something or vice versa, there's a lot of trust there. Okay? We have a strong relationship, and so because of that, we can challenge, we can confront one. There's genuine accountability there that happens. And I'm appreciative. I need that. I need that. So we're trying to build and we're trying to foster genuine relationships because it breeds stronger accountability. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 4, Faithful are the wounds of the friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Okay, so strong relationships breed strong accountability. Oh, 27.6. Sorry, my bad. I, I messed that reference all up. Proverbs 27.6 is the reference there. Just cross out the one that I put and write, write the right one in. My bad. I'm sorry. Okay, next one. Accountability helps us in our own personal walk with Jesus Christ. Accountability helps us in our own personal walk with Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17 this is the verse, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Listen, when you have genuine relationship and there's genuine accountability that happens, it pushes you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We need this. We need accountability. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable, but it does push us to grow. I'll tell you, even uh, when I know, uh, when we were discipling uh, throughout the course of the school year, and I knew that I was going to be sitting across from three teenage boys on Wednesday night, and I knew that I was going to be asking them accountability questions. And when I knew that they were going to be asking me the same questions, boy, I tell you, uh, that, that really pushes you in your own personal walk with the Lord. Because I'm supposed, to be, I'm supposed to be modeling Christ for these guys. Okay? And I'm a sinner just like everybody else. And so there are days where it's like, man, it'd just be really easy for me to give in to this. All right? It'd be really easy for me to snap at somebody. It'd be really easy for me to... But if I know that those guys are going to turn around and ask me questions... Like, hey, Pastor James, how'd you do with your, with your responses this week? Oh, man, right? And then the question that we always finish with is, have you been honest with your answers this week? Right? So then I can't, I can't lie, right? I can't, I can't do that during our accountability time because I know that question's coming. So it just it pushes us. This is a healthy thing. This is good. This is good for us. Accountability pushes us in our own personal walk with Jesus Christ. The reason being, and here's another just reality of it. The bulk of church discipline should happen in the context of disciple-making relationships. A lot of times when we think about church discipline, we think of somebody who's walking in unrepentant sin and they get pulled up in front of the church and they're unrepentant and as a result they have to be disciplined out of the church and the church now has to treat them like an unbeliever. Okay, when we church discipline, that, that's what we think of. But if disciple-making is done effectively in these disciple-making groups on Sunday night, that is where the bulk of church discipline should happen. Okay, if you don't believe me, hold your spot here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and then look with me beginning in verse 15. The text says this, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. That's a disciple-making relationship. 
If he will hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Then if he shall, then if he shall neglect to hear thee, tell it to the church. If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Do you see, though, that there's a process here? There's a, there's a one-on-one individual process where there's loving confrontation that needs to happen. And then if there's unresponsiveness, if there's an unwillingness to repent, then there's another step that's taken after that. And then if there's still an unwillingness to repent, then it goes before the entire. But there is, there is a process here. And I would argue that if we are discipling individuals effectively, if we're sitting across from individuals and challenging them and asking them personal accountability questions and say, hey, how did you do with your responses this week? Well, I really struggled. Well, did you confess it? Did you make it right? Oh, you snapped at your wife. Did you confess it to her? Did you confess it to the Lord first? Did you confess it to your wife? Did you make it right? Okay, now let's talk about some of those triggers. Let's talk about how we can continue to grow in that area. And let's talk about how we can improve and more accurately reflect Jesus Christ when that situation comes along the next time. That's church discipline in action, right? And we just think, well, that's just uncomfortable. But th- this, is what, this is what it is. And uh, listen, uh, Pastor Tim calls it, calls it Smokey, the, Smokey the Bear theology, right? We want to be in the, vi- the business of preventing wildfires. Okay, so sometimes when we get to the church discipline stage, okay, like where individuals are up here in front and we've got to deal with it in front of the whole church, that's a wildfire. Okay? What we are trying to do is we are trying to prevent wildfires. Okay, so if we can effectively disciple individuals, we can embrace some Smokey the Bear theology, right? Then all of a sudden, what can we do? We can just work really, really hard. We can work really intentionally to help individuals grow in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ through effective accountability on Sunday evenings. And I'll tell you, uh, we need it. I was sharing with Pastor Will. I, I saw an article this week. I was doing some reading, following a little bit of statistics. Right now, in America... Uh, one in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors struggles with regular pornographic addiction. If you extrapolate that out nationwide, that's half a million men filling pulpits in America today that struggle with this. And I'm just going to assume that if that's the numbers in the pulpits, it's at least the same in the pews. Um, Anxiety is on the rise. Depression is on the rise, right? And these things are real issues that have to be dealt with in our world and in our culture today. And if we just try to hide these things and if we're unwilling to be accountable, okay, sin likes to breed in the dark, right? What we need is we need the light of God's word. And I need it. You need it. We need it to grow together and to passionately pursue after Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's one of the reasons that we want to put these disciple-making groups into place on Sunday nights. Okay, third element. Third element. Biblical exposition. Biblical exposition. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 tells us, right, that we need to teach them to observe all things. Okay, so what is this? Well, this is opening God's word and sharing it with somebody else. What we believe shapes us. What we believe shapes us. And we all believe something. We all believe something. We won't take the time to look at it tonight. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, it talks about how we can either be growing into a perfect or a mature individual, or we can be like children who are tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So we're either moving in one of two directions. Okay? We're either becoming stronger and more mature, or we're becoming more infantile in our Christian life. Okay? And what we believe and the way that we practice out our theology shapes us, and it shapes the kind of Christian that we're going to be. So what we need to do is we need to handle the text of God's word. We need to preach the truth to ourselves. We need to get it in our heads, and then we need to get it in our hearts so it can work its way out our hands. Okay? That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. The faithful proclamation of biblical truth is the catalyst for Holy Spirit-enabled transformation. 
It's the catalyst for Holy Spirit-enabled transformation. So listen, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to change the people of God to be transformed into the image of God. Okay, so the Spirit uses the Word. Okay, so sometimes the people want to dichotomize the Holy Spirit from the Word of God, and they say, well, the Spirit made me do this, but the Word of God tells you to do something else. Listen, those two things don't agree. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to change people to become more like Jesus Christ. And so if we want to genuinely change to become more like Jesus Christ and to passionately pursue after Him, we need to preach the Word. But this is a responsibility for all of us. Because disciple-making is an individual responsibility. It's given to the local church. You have a Matthew 28, 19, and 20 when it says, teaching them to observe all things. That's not just for me. That's not just for Pastor Will. That's for you. So you need to be able to handle God's Word and be able to share it with somebody else to point them to Jesus Christ. Yeah, so biblical exposition is an important piece of that. And this is one reason that we want to put these disciple-making groups into place so that in a safe environment, in a safe space, we can more accurately learn how to handle the Word of God together. And that's an exciting, that's an exciting prospect. Not only that, but the truth is to be communicated in the context of loving relationships. The truth is to be communicated in the context of loving relationship. Ephesians 4.25 tells us we are members one of another. It, that implies that there is a relationship there. Earlier in the chapter, it tells us to speak the truth in love. Okay, so the way that we communicate within the context of these disciple-making groups matter. Okay. Um, I always get a little nervous when somebody tells me, say, hey, I have to tell you something, no offense, but, because what they typically say to me is about to be offensive, right? So the way that we communicate matters, and in the context of helping point people to Jesus, we're going to talk about this in just a minute, but in the way that we point people to Jesus, the way that we do it matters. The way that we do it matters. So we're going to communicate the truth, and we're going to communicate, that's why we say we fulfill the Great Commission, but how do we do it? In the spirit of the Great Commandment. Okay, and Jesus commands us to do both. Take that sheet over, or take that sheet, that half sheet, flip it over. This is a good time for us to talk about. So when we come and when we meet together, as we're working through these things like fellowship and accountability and biblical exposition, um, we're going to have to make some commitments to each other. Because if you're answering some difficult accountability questions, uh, that requires you to be vulnerable. And that requires you to, to share with some other individuals that you're still growing in your relationship with. So we're, we're going to make some commitments to each other as we work through this disciple-making, as, as we work through these disciple-making groups. So I just want to run through these quickly with you. You can take them and, and think through them and look at them on your own. But these are some commitments that I think that are important for us to make as we work through disciple-making together. The first one is that we will practice confidentiality. What's said in your group stays in your group. Gossip is a sin, okay? And so what we're not going to do is we're not going to take something that's shared in a discipleship group and go spread it beyond the confines of our discipleship group. Now, I do have to put a disclaimer in here, right? If there's something that legally we have to report, we will, okay? Because legally we have the responsibility to do that. We are mandatory reporters. But from the standpoint of we're not just going to take what is spoken in our groups and we're not just going to go, right, share that information with anybody, everybody and anybody. Okay, so we're going to be very conscious to say, hey, if this is shared in our group, this is something that is going to stay within the confines of our group. We're not going to rescue. We're not going to fix people. We're going to listen to other individuals in our group. But listen, it's not our job to fix people. The Holy Spirit is the one that transforms hearts and lives. Okay, so believe me, you don't want me playing doctor in your heart. Okay, you need the Holy Spirit right, to, to change you and to change you from the inside out. 
So we're going to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to care for them. We're going to point them to Jesus. Okay, but we're just not going to wade in and immediately try to say, well, do this and this and this. No, like the Holy Spirit has to do a work in your heart and in your life. We're going to help. We're going to try to point you to Jesus, but we understand that it's the Holy Spirit's job to transform life. We're not going to crosstalk during the course. This is part of the communication piece that we just talked about. Okay, so if somebody's talking in the group, don't talk over them. Yeah, this is just like a practical politeness thing, right? But don't talk over somebody else in your group that's just talking. Also, don't hog all the conversation. Okay, so if you're, right, you got a limited amount of time and you got four people that need to share, make sure that you're giving everybody opportunities to share and to speak. Also, we're going um, to use humor responsi uh, responsibly. We're not going to be sarcastic or, or inappropriate. Guys, we're not going to make cracks about our wives in our discipleship groups. Okay, wives, you're not going to make jokes about your husbands in your discipleship groups. Right? We're not going to demean our kids, right? any of those kind of things. What, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to use, like, I like to laugh as much as the next guy. Right? And there are times where humor is very appropriate, and we'll laugh hard. But we're going to use humor appropriately okay? in the context of our disciple-making groups. Uh, we're going to give everybody a chance to share. Yeah, this means that those who talk a lot might need to defer to people who don't talk very much. And people who don't talk very much, you're going to need to make a commitment to contribute to the group. Okay, so everybody's going to get an opportunity to share. Okay, why? Because this is important for us to be able to take the text of God's Word and be able to share it with others, to be able to articulate the Word of God for the purpose of pointing other people to Jesus. We're going to use I statements. Okay, so we're going to speak for ourselves. We're not going to make careless bandwagon appeals. We're not going to say, well, people say that, or those guys do this, or, what, you know, we're not going to make careless bandwagon appeals. We're going to say, I, I do this. Okay, we're going to own it ourselves. And say, this is what I do, right? And this is, going, this is what I need to help me grow in my relationship with Christ. And then finally, we're going to fight for relationship. We're going to work for resolution, even if confrontation is required. Okay, so there might need to be a time in a disciple-making group where somebody looks you in the face and says, well, what you did was wrong. And then it's going to get really, really quiet because all of a sudden it's tense, right? Because <laughs> there is some confrontation there. But what happens is if we are all fight, if we are all trying to pursue Jesus Christ together, then what we can do is we can still work for a relationship even when that confrontation is happening. What that's going to do is it's going to require courage on the part of the individual that's pointing out the sin. It's going to take humility on the person that's receiving that instruction. But that's Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 in action. Okay, If your brother be overtaken in a fall, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Okay? So this is, what we're trying, this is what we're trying to do. If that sounds a little uncomfortable to you, it should. Okay? It sounds uncomfortable to me too. But I think that this is going to be effective for us in helping us be better and more genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, turn that sheet back over. Got two more elements here. Two more elements. Element number four is prayer. Element number four is prayer. Praying with a group is really cool. And I, the reason that I like it, praying with a group helps disciple other believers in the practice of prayer. You say, well, where do you see that in Scripture? I see it in Luke chapter 11 when the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then what do they do? They pray in a group. Jesus teaches them how to pray. And I don't know about you. I'll just be completely honest with you for a second. In my own personal, in the spiritual disciplines in my life, prayer is probably the one that I struggle with the most. It's like prayer does not come. Some people, I feel like, just pray really naturally. Like it comes easy for them. For me, not so much. I really have to work hard in the discipline of prayer, and I'm not as good at it as I would like to be. It's an area I'm working on. So praying for me personally, praying in a group, 
is exciting because like I get to learn from other people about how to pray more effectively, which is awesome. Okay, and it's a super helpful thing for me. So I know if it's helpful for me, I don't think that I'm the only one that that would help if we incorporate prayer time, group prayer time into these disciple-making sessions. Also, praying with, a, praying with a group increases the expectancy for answered prayer. Praying with a group increases the expectancy for answered prayer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul talks about the fact that there is a group of individuals praying and now the prayer was answered and now they can give thanks as a group because that prayer was answered. Okay, So when individuals pray as a group, there is power in prayer. And this is an exciting thing because now what we're doing is we're praying for certain things. And then as we come together and we're saying, hey, we prayed for this last week. Where is it at? You know, okay, Can you tell us how can we pray more effectively this week? And all of a sudden when there, there's an expectation that God is going to work. And that's an exciting thing. So we want to build in prayer as an essential element of these disciple-making groups. And then finally, the last element here is evangelism. Evangelism. Quality discipleship will always incorporate evangelism just as Christ commanded. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. When Jesus says, go, right, he is commanding us to go and reach unsaved people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because then he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then we teach them to observe all things. So there's a process here. We got to reach them. And then they're baptized, they identify with Christ, and then they become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? Or they're growing, growing to the image of Jesus Christ. Okay, so evangelism is an essential piece of this. And I would say that discipleship is not exclusive, but inclusive. This is the empty, the empty chair principle of multiplication. Let me explain to you what I mean by that for a second. So what we're going to do is we are going to max out our discipleship group size at eight. And the reason that we're going to start with groups from four to six is because we want to have an empty chair in every group. Listen, you might have a neighbor who's interested in studying God's word. In fact, I look at this study. Um, so there are under, I think under the age of 25, like 75% of individuals under the age of 25 said that they would be open to studying God's word with somebody if they were asked. Okay, so there's a, there's a genuine curiosity that's out there. Okay? There's a genuine curiosity. And so what we need to do is we need to be effective about actually asking people and bringing them in. So we might not get people to come in on a Sunday morning, right, to come and sit in on a worship service. But you may say, hey, I've got four other guys that I'm studying God's Word with on a Sunday night. And they might be interested in that. Do you just want to come in and take a look at it with me? And if they come with you, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we have an empty chair for them, right, to be able to come and sit in. So what we're going to do is we're going to cap these groups at eight. As soon as we have an eighth person come in and say, hey, I want to be a part of this group. This looks awesome. What we're going to do is we're going to split that group. And now we'll have two groups of four that are meeting together, and then we're going to grow them again. Until one of those groups hits eight, and then we split it again. What is that? That's multiplication. That's multiplication. This is the process of making disciples that God has commanded us to do. Okay, so what we're not going to do is we're not just going to be, in, or we're not going to be exclusive, and we're not going to say, well, these are our six people, and we're going to have our little tribe, and we're going to sit over here and do our thing, and then we're never going to invite anybody else to come and join with us ever. Like, this is our group, and this is what we're going to do. No, that's not, that's not what disciple-making is at all, because disciple-making always incorporates evangelism. And so we need to have empty chairs available, and when individuals come in and say, hey, come study with me. we got this cool thing going on on Sunday night. And maybe they say, well, I'm not comfortable going into church. Well, then I'm okay with, with your group meeting in your home for an evening. I'd go down to Jenny's and get a cup of ice cream and study God's Word there. It doesn't matter to me where you go and do it, but study God's Word. Get somebody there that's unsaved and share the gospel with them. 
you know how exciting it would be if all of a sudden we had somebody who came into one of our discipleship groups that didn't know the Lord and got saved as a result of being in your discipleship group because you invited them? And all of a sudden they get saved. And now can you imagine the electricity that would be in that group as you as a group have an opportunity to disciple that individual into the image of Jesus Christ? And as you see them grow and work and stumble and struggle and gain victory and defeats and as you're walking with them through that process, you imagine how exciting that would be? Man, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. So evangelism is an, essential, is an essential component of this. So when we're thinking about how do we grow this, how, how do we build this, this is not just for the people sitting in this room. This is for everybody. Hey, we want evangelism. We want these discipleship groups to be inclusive. Hey, everybody is invited to come and attend and be a part. Okay? And if we have somebody come that doesn't know the Lord, man, take that opportunity and share the gospel with them. It doesn't, listen, you can deviate from the curriculum for a night and it won't bother me. Okay, if you share the gospel with somebody and they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, we want to see people be saved. We want to see people grow. We want to see people, people be added to the church. And we look at this as a more natural way to build the church in the way that Jesus commanded. Okay, that, that's, why we're, that's why we're trying to do this. And again, we're not trying to grow a Rise Baptist Church to a thousand people. But what we are trying to do is be more effective in reaching the community of Garden Oaks and Oak Forest with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that, that's why we're changing this structure a little bit. That's why we're moving things around a little bit because we want to be more effective in building the church the way that Jesus commanded us to do it. Okay, does that make, does that make sense? You guys, are you guys tracking with me? I, I, I hope. What I'm trying to do is just show you like why we think that this is important and why we're trying to, I'm trying to build a bridge for you to show you where we're at and how we're going to get to, how we're going to get to where we're going. Okay, so now look back, look back at that full sheet with me real quick. Okay, so let me show you. Let me show you how we built these elements into these, into these Sunday night sections, okay? So fellowship, that's our connection. So you come in, right? So And typically we start at 5, but a lot of people wander in at 5.05. I'm not looking at anybody. If you came in at 5.05, no judgment here, okay? But typically we have a few people rolling in late anyway, right? So this is an opportunity for us to just be able to get to talk, communicate, right? And just, just have an opportunity to fellowship a little bit at the start of our, at the start of our group together. And then... We work through our accountability questions. And a couple that I put in here, and I, I have more accountability questions that we've worked through. But how did you do reaching out to the one you're striving to lead to Christ this week? With my teen boys, I say boys, teen young men, right? So all of them, I asked them and I said, okay, guys, who is one person that you're going to try to lead to Jesus Christ this year? And they all gave me a name. They said, this is the person I'm trying to, I'm trying to lead to Christ. And I gave them one as well. And then we're asking each other every week, well, what'd you do to try to reach them with the gospel? And for the first time, one of the guys in my group, for the first time, invited somebody to come to church. Invited one of their friends to come to church. That's a huge step. It's awesome. Okay? And so we're intentionally trying to evangelize as a portion of this. And accountability helps us with that. How did you do in walking with Jesus through Bible study and prayer? Is there an area that you need help in or general need to share with the group this week? Uh, there's other questions as well. I mean, there's a lot of different accountability questions that you can incorporate in here. And then I always finish with, have you been truthful with the answers that you've shared this week? Right? Because it's good for us to be honest in our accountability questions, right? So we build accountability into this. And then flip that over. So the HERE journal that we talk about, this is the biblical exposition piece of this. 
Okay, so as you are studying God's word and as you're working on it through the week and as you're coming and saying, hey, these, th- these are the tools that I have. This is what I've worked through this week. This is what God's word has said. This is the principle that I'm going to try to apply to my life. This is how I'm going to put it into practice. And then come and share that with the other people in our group. Okay, and say, this is, this is how I'm putting God's word into practice. Uh, and then somebody else shares and says, well, this is the verse that really stood out to me. And this is the principle that I found. This is how I'm going to put it into practice. And all of a sudden, we're sharing God's word with each other and we're teaching. And there's biblical exposition that's happening in our group. And then we're going to pray together. And so I gave you a space there. You're going to write down prayer requests from your group. And we're going to spend intentional time praying for one another. And then the evangelism component, as we already talked about, this is you bringing other people into your discipleship group for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them, us trying to hold each other accountable for reaching somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, um, I, I really appreciate, I really appreciate, uh, I really, and uh, he, shared, he shared a story with me. He, he can tell it better than I can, Mark. I might butcher it a little bit. I'm sorry if I do, but somebody, somebody sat down across from him and basically asked the question and said, well, can you just tell, tell me the question? Uh, when, was it Sam asked you, Okay, so that was the question he was asked. When was the last time that you sat down and kindly confronted somebody with the gospel? Man, if, I, if he sat down across from you and asked you that question, okay, what would your answer be? And he shared that with me at the dinner table one time, and then I got, I got to thinking. <laughs> I went, oh, man, Angie and I were talking about it on the way home. And then he had the opportunity, somebody asked him that question, and then he had the opportunity to ask other people that question. And you know what? That is a thought-provoking question. And that's one that we need to be asked on a weekly basis. What have you done to try to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ this week? Okay, so we're trying to build that accountability into our own personal evangelism. And then we're trying to keep empty chairs open for the purpose of bringing individuals in, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, seeing them be baptized, and then growing their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that we can see this thing multiply as Jesus intended. Okay, so that, that's the goal. That's where we're trying to go. Next week, what I want to do is I want to take and I, I want to cast a little bit. So that, that's going to be the practical nitty-gritty of Sunday. Okay, next week, next Sunday night, what I want to do is I want to cast a little bit bigger vision. And I want to show you if this is where we're going, how can this thing, where can this thing go from there? Okay, and I think that'll be exciting for you as we think about what God could do through a Rise Baptist Church as we do the work of intentionally and effectively making disciples where we're at right now. Okay, now, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. And then you say, well, it's not even 6 o'clock yet. You're welcome for that, by the way. But I do have a group discussion for you. Okay, so what we're going to do is, uh, what I want to do is uh, just split up. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, guys split up into maybe three groups. Uh, ladies split up into maybe three groups, just kind of spread out around the auditorium. But groups of five, five or six maybe. And then I had a question that I want you to, I had a question that I want you to, to answer. I want you to answer the question as you look through these five elements, fellowship, accountability, biblical exposition, prayer, and evangelism, which of those is the most exciting to you? My guess is that as we were working through those, there was one that you were like, man, that sounds awesome. I'm pumped to be able to be a part of that. And then I also want you to answer the question, which one makes you the most uncomfortable? Okay, and then share with the group why, why you think that. Okay, explain your thought process there to the group. It's helpful for us as we get into this to be able to be excited together and also say, yeah, there's, there's some elements of this that are going to be a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, encourage one another to engage in this 
engage in this process. So I'll close in prayer and then go ahead and split into some groups, groups of five or six. And then let's work through this question tonight. As soon as your group is done finishing this question, uh, you're dismissed for the evening. All right, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time to, uh, to come and worship with us this evening. We'll close in prayer and then split into groups and discuss this. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and to work through this material tonight. I'm excited about this. I, I think that this will help us be better stewards of the Great Commission that you have called us to fulfill. And I know that there's going to be a little bit of transition here. I know that there's going to be some pain points along the way. But I, our, our, our purpose, our mission is to make disciples through the process of evangelism and edification and equipping and pointing people to Jesus. Help us to be individuals who are passionately pursuing after Jesus Christ and help us to be intentionally bringing somebody along with us. We want to give you the honor and glory for it. You're the one that has laid out this program for building your church, and we are honored to be a part of it. And so I pray that you would help us to steward it and engage in it effectively and faithfully for your honor and for your kingdom. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.